Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Let's pray, shall we? God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it inspires us, that it excites our hearts. Jesus, as we turn to it again, oh Lord, talk to us. Reveal yourself. We're yours. Amen. I was there. Uh, Preaching at church, at our church on Sunday, on uh, Acts chapter 3. Uh, that amazing story where Peter and John go to the gate beautiful. They see this guy has been crippled from the moment of his birth. And is, he's instantly healed the moment that Peter pulls him to his feet in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I imagine this guy stands to his feet, having never stood on both feet before. And he tests out his balance. And he's like, wow, this is something I've never felt before and then he maybe he risks going on one foot and putting one foot in front of the other and then he's walking and he's like this is walking I'm doing the walking thing and he's like I'm going to test a run and he begins to pick up speed and before you know it he's going crazy and he's like these legs have got jumps in I'm going to test the jump out watch this watch this boom and he's up you know and he's leaping at that point and you imagine you don't do that silently do you you know, when God does something like that, you can't keep it in, so it's not like a silent jump. You know what I mean? He's like, come on! And this, what is coming out of him is great praise and adoration. There's exciting noises, and, and he's so thankful, and he's thanking. You know, imagine he's like trying to leap on Peter's back. I mean, his legs have got that much bounce, and he's like, carry me, you know? And he's so thankful, and he's like, wow, what is this power? And I imagine all the noise and the, and the excitement and him running up and down and jumping and leaping draws attention. And people start to come and they're wondering. They've come to the temple that day to meet with God, but it seems like God is outside. God is at the gate. And the commotion draws people. In verse 11 it says, While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them, to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. People begin to run. When the presence of God comes, people begin to run and they're excited and they just can't get enough of it. The temple begins to empty. People are laying down their sacrifices because they want to be outside to where God is doing something outstanding. Wonder and amazement fills them. Peter takes the opportunity to speak. The rest of the chapter is his preach, or 300 and 57 words of an outstanding preach which draws their attention away from the guy that's been healed. Draws their attention away from Peter and John and onto the crucified Lord of life. To the power of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And Peter says these outstanding words when he says, Me and John, we have witnessed the risen Jesus And he says later on, he says, those who have seen this man healed have now witnessed the power of Jesus with their own eyes. It's one of those occasions where Peter and John are fully convinced of the power of God. Nothing can stop them. They were so super expectant of the miraculous. That the power of God was almost undeniable. Have you had those moments where you just think nothing can stop us? Those incredible moments where you feel you've witnessed the power of the risen Jesus and there's no doubt in your mind. 
those moments of praise and worship and prayer where you just think, God is so real. What could happen in this place? Those moments, maybe during prayer day, when people get to the mic and begin to share stories and you you feel your heart start to burn and you're like, oh my gosh, God is good. Well, we hear stories of signs and wonders and healings and the crazy stories about checks coming in uh, the same figure at the same time in the same place. Well, we hear about a random bird that drops a small ball with the number 83 at the foot of a prisoner with 83 days left in prison who is desperate for hope. And you think, God is real. His word is true. He created the world. We didn't evolve from apes. Life has a purpose. Jesus is returning. Heaven waits that God can do anything. My faith rises. Rises to the point where I begin to think that amazing things could happen. That I want to dance upon injustice. That I want to sing while I suffer. That I'm expectant of healings. That revival is just a day away. And in that moment of euphoria, if I saw a flag... I would probably wave it. I apologize. That won't ever happen. But what shocks me is that within a few days, I can find myself in a very different place, far from the mountaintop experience. And it's almost like I completely forget what's happened. I completely forget those awesome moments where it feels like heaven is touching earth. I completely forget what the presence of God is like. I forget the flavor of faith and the taste of hope. Expectation and excitement seem to have vanished. The realities of life bring us down to earth with a bump. Situations around me seem to consume me. Circumstances cloud my vision of God, and I find it too easy to be cynical and to be critical and to be doubting. And I think when I, you know, around you, you know, you, you get it here on those days where your just heart is crushed, and you see people free in, in worship on that mountaintop experience, and you think, completely delusional people. What's going on with them? Because this clearly isn't what I'm experiencing. They are mad. And what comes with that is guilt and confusion and fear. Have you been there? Have you been in those days where it seems like everybody is experiencing the presence of God, but not you? Like you nipped out to the toilet and then it all kicks off. Like the one week you were away on holiday and church seems to be immense. Now here's the good news. It happens to the best. And I mean the best. In Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is described by Jesus as the best ever, the greatest. Verse 11, it says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. To my knowledge, the only way to be born is via a woman. Therefore, this makes John the best ever. But what, the, what we find out is in the moments before verse 11, we get this different story. 
This different perspective on John the Baptist that maybe is worth sharing, let me read it to you from the start of Matthew 11. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John finds himself in prison. A drunken night of a party, not involving John, you'll be happy to know, but involving King Herod. And King Herod, in his moment of madness, has offered the girl who's entertained him all night a prize. You can take anything, he says, up to half my kingdom. And she, manipulated by her mother, asks for the head of John the Baptist. So he's arrested, and now he's facing death. He's not in the best place. He begins to think as he's got lots of time on his hands and he's wondering about the life of Jesus. And facing the unexpected circumstances, he begins to doubt. He begins to doubt his life mission. He wonders if he's wasted all his time and he's questioning the identity of Jesus. His circumstances and surroundings affect his view of God. But you know what? John has got no right to doubt. There are not many more people throughout the New Testament who should have a stronger assurance of who Jesus was. Let's take the Virgin Mary. She knew that Jesus was the Messiah because she was a virgin and gave birth to a baby. And she also met an angel who told her what he should be called. Joseph also met an angel, so he should have a strong assurance of who Jesus is. But John has known from the moment he was conceived. What does it say in Luke chapter 1, verse 41? When Elizabeth, that's John's mum, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's John who's in the womb, and he leaps when he knows the Virgin Mary has arrived, pregnant with Jesus, and she's come to stay. Even as a baby in the womb, it's like John knew who Jesus was. That is some crazy stuff. That is some crazy mandate on your life. That John was supposed to be the guy that brought in the Messiah that made the way. As we know, later in life, John gets the most awesome opportunity. The great, it's one of the greatest honors in the whole of Scripture. Matthew chapter 3. John baptizes Jesus. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descend like, descending like a dove and alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is not a standard baptism service. I've been to some great ones. I've been to some ones that have moved me to tears, where I've heard phenomenal testimony, but I've never seen heaven open. 
And I've never seen a dove come and land on someone's head. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, let alone the voice of God, say, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. John has no excuse. It's like when he heard the voice, he'd go, uh, Which one do you mean? Which one of the people do you mean? The guy with the dove. <laughs> Who do you think? There's no doubt. He knows who Jesus is. He gets the chance to baptize the Messiah. He ain't going to forget him. He has no excuses. It's almost like we haven't. You know what? We get the entire book of the Bible. We get to worship and praise. and We know the end. We know the battle is done. But yet we find ourselves sometimes with doubts. John should have full assurance. No doubts, no worries, no fears. Yet we find him questioning Jesus' identity. Sending his disciples to go ask if Jesus really is the one. He says, ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Man, how far have you come? That the guy that you baptized and saw the Holy Spirit descend upon, you now doubt if he's the real deal? Ask him if he's really the Messiah. Am I wasting my time? You know what? John's on death row. It's all over for him. Is he wasting his time? His job's done. But yet he's a broken man. Am I wasting my time? Is my hope in vain? What are you playing at, Jesus? That's what he's saying. What are you playing at? I don't get it anymore. And our circumstances can impact our faith. They impact our view of God. They impact our view of our calling. They impact our view of God's purposes. God has seen, John has seen the work of Jesus. John has heard what Jesus has been doing, all the incredible stuff, yet his circumstances in these moments have blinded him. John's circumstances inform his understanding of God, and John now really wants a Messiah. But his desire for his, the desire for a Messiah is shaped by his physical needs. He needs a king to rise up. He needs a king on the throne of David. He needs freedom from, Jewish, uh, from, from Roman occupation. He needs someone now to come and break him out of jail. He's desperate for him and Jesus to go on mission together and grow a mighty nation. But this was not to be. This was not the plan that God had in hand for him. God's ways are not our ways. As much as we wish they were, Romans chapter 8, 28. We know that, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We say it and we believe it, but our good and God's good are different. And finding peace with God's good plan is so important. For John needs to hear from Jesus. John needs to hear afresh the plans of Jesus. John needs to be reminded again of what the truth is. And so Jesus sends back this message to John. And he says, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. 
He reminds John what the kingdom of God really looked like. He says, John, don't be blinded by your circumstances. Remember what I've come here to do. To bring a kingdom of God here. And there won't be thrones or palaces or armies or fighting, but blind seeing, lame walking, lepers cleansed, deaf hearing good news proclaimed to the poor. John would have known his scriptures. John would have known the prophecies from Isaiah. The words of Jesus that would have reminded him of the purpose, the real purpose of the Messiah. Jesus was saying to John, I'm fulfilling these prophecies. I am the Messiah. I am the one. I am the one you were expecting. And the kingdom has come. And what is so beautiful about what Jesus sends, this message through John's disciples back to him, is that there's one more that he mentions. A new one. An extra one. An extra promise of the kingdom. Not found in Isaiah. He says this. The dead are raised. Jesus was saying, I'm fulfilling Isaiah and more. I've got extra. He could have mentioned the rest of of Isaiah 61. He could have mentioned that the captives would be released. You know that phrase. But right now, John John doesn't need to know that the captives would be released. It's not good news to him where he is. Bound up in a prison cell. If Jesus sends a message back that there's freedom for captives, he's going to be stood by the window waiting for the guy that's going to pull him out. Jesus sends good news. The greatest news. The kingdom news. The news that he really needed to hear. Not wanted to hear. This is God working all things together for the good of John. That the dead will be raised is the greatest news for those who are about to die. John knows. He's been told why he's arrested. He's told what the plans is. There aren't many days left for John. His head's going to be taken off and put on a plate. This is not the best place to be. So what does the kingdom of God come in, look, come in to John look like? It looks like that the dead will be raised. There is hope. I am the Messiah. And you will be raised as I am raised. Incredible. And he says to him, blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. John, don't give up now. Don't stumble now. Don't let the world take away your blessing. Don't let your circumstances keep you from the prize. Don't let your disappointment at the way Jesus is working cause you to fail. When our circumstances cloud our view of God, we need to hear again that the kingdom of God has come near to us. You know, we're, we're a movement that is constantly telling those that we meet that the kingdom of God has come near. But we need to be people that hear that too. Today, the kingdom of God has come near to you, regardless of where you're at. What's going on with you right now? How is your life looking? Are you hopeful? Are you full of expectations? Are you finding life much harder than you thought? Is this Christian life a real struggle? Is your church difficult? Are your housemates a nightmare? Do you have relationship issues? 
Are you disappointed with where you are right now? The kingdom of God has good news for you. You need to hear the message that Jesus is bringing. I believe Jesus wants to send a message to you to remind you of his perfect plans. Sending comfort and healing. Restoring hope. Asking you to stay faithful, to stay the course, not to stumble on account of him. What I find so amazing about this story is Jesus doesn't go to where John is. It's so odd. You know, Jesus doesn't need to worry about getting arrested. He's not fearful that they're going to kill him too. He knows when his time is. He's done this before many times. So why doesn't he go to the greatest man that's ever lived and stand with him in his last hours, his last days? Why doesn't he take his favorite locust and a jar of honey and go, yeah, mate, it's a nice treat. I know you like these. Instead, he sends his disciples, John's own disciples, and he says, go back and tell him what you hear and what you see. Go and tell him about the kingdom. And it strikes me that this serves as a great example to us. We are asked by Jesus to make the kingdom known to each other. Today your purpose isn't just to hear me and hear that I've got a message to tell you that the kingdom of God is near. It's our job, each one of us, to be bringers of the kingdom. Today, with those around you, with those in your team that you work with, those on your your estates, those in the schools, you are to be bringers of the kingdom. To those who are suffering, to those who are broken, to those who are doubting, be bringers of the kingdom today. That's it. That's my message done. Maybe that's what you should be thinking about now as we move and turn to prayer. Maybe we should be standing up and encouraging one another and say, let me just again remind you that the kingdom of God has come near. That God's message through Jesus comes now through us. That wherever you are, there is good news of hope. And Jesus' message is, don't stumble. Don't stumble on account of me. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is coming. Here it is. Let's pray. And we thank you, Lord, for that kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for the great news that it is. Lord, when times are hard, don't, don't let us change our theology to try and fit Don't let us change our view of the kingdom of all that we hope that you would do just to make us feel better. Lord, bring us the truth. Lord, let us be set free by that truth. Let us be hopeful, Jesus, of your kingdom. And help us, Lord, to be bringers of that kingdom. To be constantly reminding those around us. And speak to us again today. Make us ready, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 